Welcome to the Pain-Free Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Mariah Heller, and if there's one thing I've learned after being a fitness and health professional and a chronic pain sufferer for over a decade, it's that every body is unique. On this show, I sit down with health and wellness experts in an effort to gather as many different perspectives, journeys, and philosophies as possible. Join me in cultivating a collective growth mindset and challenge yourself to take away just one key point from each episode that inspires you to think or behave differently. Have a pain-free day and enjoy this episode. Right, beautiful people. Welcome to the Pain-Free Fitness Podcast. Um, my name is Mariah. I am your host. And my goal in life is to create a collective growth mindset in the fitness and wellness industry. So on this show, as you know, if you've listened before, I speak with a variety of guests in and kind of adjacent to the fitness and wellness field about their stories and their philosophies, because I think that's the best way to cultivate a growth mindset and keep us moving forward, especially in an industry like fitness and wellness, where everything's changing all the time. And I just think everybody's experience is so individual. Uh, My personal intention for every episode of this podcast is to walk away with at least one new insight today. And I challenge you to have that intention as well as you're listening to this episode. And with my guest, I think that's going to be a a very easy thing to do. Um, So my guest today is Brian Falchuk. He is a best-selling author, professional speaker, and a life coach. He's also been a C-level executive and part of several startups. He is committed to helping people overcome and achieve in their lives after overcoming uh, kind of his own challenges. So Brian's best-selling first book, Do A Day, which I just read, which is awesome, teaches his approach to overcoming what stands in our way in life. Um, He has also written several other books. He's given a bunch of TEDx talks and stuff that we'll talk about. And I just think that you are super interesting, Brian, and I'm really excited to have you on the show. So welcome. (laughs) Thank you very much, Mariah. Uh, Brian and I met uh, probably about a year and a half ago. I was um, on Brian's podcast about uh, probably in June of 2020, and we're in 2021 right now, which is crazy, but we were introduced through a mutual friend, Fernando Flores, and I was just uh, really interested in uh, Brian's story and in the do-a-day philosophy and all of that. So I'm super excited to have you on because I think your experiences are going to be really helpful. And just kind of want to chat with you about some of that today. So my first question, I guess, to lead in is, you know, what, what makes fitness and wellness important to you? Like, why, why has that been such a big role in your life? And then we'll go yeah. from there. Well, I have to say like ditto reciprocity, whatever, like when, when we did this talk together in this platform, Fernando had, I was like, her story is amazing. I want more. Um, so I was very thankful to get that more from you on my show a while ago, um, so why, why is fitness and wellness, I should say more broadly, so important to me? Um, a lot of it has to do with not having it. And, and I would use this, I certainly didn't have fitness, but much more importantly, I didn't have wellness for a large chunk of my life. I grew up obese and um, that was the side effect. Like it's not, oh, you're overweight, so your knees hurt. And so all these other problems, it was like all of those things are a side effect of the inner wellness that wasn't there. Um, you know, I like lots of people go through lots of things. We all have our own stories 
I don't like when people start comparing whether what they went through is a valid enough reason to struggle or whatever. Like you go through what you go through, it matters to you and it defines who you are for a period, as long as you allow it to. And that's where I was at. Like my parents splitting up when I was really little. Um, and just the way that that happened, uh, wasn't like, it wasn't horrific. No one was killed or like, it's nothing like that, but it's just the way it affected me at age of four or five when, you know, like you don't understand any of that. And when there's no one sort of helping you navigate those feelings, kids will find ways to navigate themselves. And it's some form of acting out generally. And for me, it was acting out with my good friends, Oreos and, and all their buddies. Um, so I just ate like incessantly because I was always trying to feel satiated, like it's okay. And of course, like food doesn't do that, you know, maybe for a minute, like, oh, that's really good in that bite. And then what happens? Like either you feel gross because you ate too much, which isn't a good feeling, or you feel empty because food isn't filling the hole that you were shoving it in your face to fill. Like it's not, it's not medication for anxiety and depression and all that as much as we wish it was or treat it like it is. And so that's what I grew up with is this, uh, this pain inside, um, this self-judgment, which as you gain weight, like only gets worse. Cause now you add judging how you feel and how you look and why you're slower than everyone and why kids won't pick you in recess. And, you know, you get older and like, girls won't go out with me and like whatever, it just, it gets worse and worse and worse. So all this self-judgment and this out of control, um, vicious cycle of anxiety where it's like, I, cause I'm always feeling uneasy and like things aren't going to be okay. Cause my family was coming apart. So it's like the one thing kids need to feel is that their home is safe and I didn't. And so, and I couldn't do anything about that. And the food wasn't helping with that. So it just gets worse. And so I always had this very constant like vigilance of what's wrong. And I could never do anything about it until I started to find things I could actually step in and fix. I went to town on that. Like, you know, as soon as I was legally able to get a job, I worked like every minute I could possibly work because I'm like, I need more money because bills are going to hit. And like, you know, money was a question mark growing up. So like, I need to know that I will always be taken care of. And I saved like crazy. Um, I got like, it was kind of funny that I walked into the bank because ATMs were somewhat new, at least when I was like, you couldn't necessarily deposit cash in them. And I did pizza delivery for a while. So like, I always had wads of cash. So the, the tellers, like they were almost rolling their eyes because I showed up every day. Cause I always had like, whatever my tips were from the night before I want them in the bank. And they were like, does he not understand? Like, you don't need to deposit it constantly. Like, does he not have a wallet? Like what's his issue? Um, but it was just this, like, I need to get in the bank. And if it's in the bank, like that much sooner, then I'll get like that teeny bit more, like a quarter of a penny more interest on it. Like just constantly worrying about it. And that, that just accelerated through my life. And so even when I found physical fitness, it still felt super fleeting. And I was still left with this overall unwellness until like this moment that sparked do a day for me where um, there's still a lot I need to work through and a lot I need to do better and want to do better with in my life. As I think actually like we all will feel and that's not such a bad thing because it gives you something to strive for and wish to do better. But I will say, and I've been able to say this for many years in a row now, I am the healthiest I've ever been. Um, and not, I don't follow it up with like for my age, I'm just healthy. I'm well, I'm proud of what my body can do because of what my mind has given it the ability to do. 
And that's like that feeling ultimately is why wellness is so crucial to my life. I know I just went on forever, but like hopefully somewhere in there, I answered your question. No, that was beautiful. I'm getting like a little bit emotional, just like listening to that, because I think so many people can relate to that. I know I can. And I'm really curious, kind of from from your perspective, it sounds like you've got a really good sense of self-awareness around how your foundation affected some of your habits. Yeah. And it sounds like you have a, a really good idea of kind of how it affected different habits, right? It's like, it's not only, it's usually not just one thing. It's like, okay, I grew up living in a place of scarcity and yeah. maybe having a disaster mindset of, okay, when is the other shoe going to drop? Right. And then you resolve or try to fill that void with food um, you try to fill that void with maybe working and making sure that you never have any risk of running out of money or whatever it yeah. is. And I can definitely relate to both of those, but I'm curious at what point did you start to realize, or did you have like a big moment of realization of, Oh, okay, I'm doing these things to fill this void from my past. Yeah. Um, so the point that I realized it wasn't until I was in my thirties and like, a husband and, and father. Um, even though like I'd lost weight, I'd lost hundred pounds when I was 18. Um, so basically like the next half of my life up until that point, um, all those problems were still there. I just, I looked, I looked different externally, but I also put on like half the weight again, which is like just being American, right? Like no one yeah. noticed it. I didn't look obese again, but I was like, it was a big guy and people call me, Hey, big guy. But I was like, the joke is like, I just looked American because I did. Um, and it's shocking when I see pictures of like my son's second birthday party was was a few months before I started to get hold of things. My wife and I weren't aware of how out of shape I was. But when we see those pictures and compare it to who I am today, this was a decade plus ago. Um, it's shocking. Like I look at him like, I am so unwell. And she's like, your face is puffy. I had all this acne. I, and like my back was killing me. I ended up having back surgery, uh, like I had all these issues. Um, and, and I just wasn't even aware of the slow burn that you just kind of get into accepting like, Oh, it's your, you know, every year you put on a couple of pounds, it's called aging, get over it, Brian, but that it doesn't have to be that way. And like, what a miserable thing to accept for yourself. Um, right. but, but you, you will accept it if you don't accept that there's stuff that's got to change about you. Um, and the choices you're making for yourself. And for me, it was uh, this moment in 2011, my wife, um, she always had these strange episodes where like her health would just spiral down, but they'd be contained to days, like one or two. They were incredibly intense, but, and she'd recover. So she had one of these episodes. Uh, this is the summer of 2011 and our son was two years old. Um, and yeah, like two days goes by and it's not like, that's weird. I've never seen it not change. And every story she shared with me from her childhood and teen years when this would happen, like it always would go away after a couple of days and then a week. And it's like, every day is worse than the day before. And I say that without even being able to comprehend how that's possible. Cause every day is so bad. You don't see how it could be worse. Um, and after a month of this, like doctors couldn't figure anything out her maybe it was like six weeks her primary care called me and he's like um you know we really don't know what's going on i think she's doing this to herself 
um, I'm going on vacation. I'll be back in six weeks. I'll check in with you then. And so I said to him, like, my wife doesn't know that I share her weight on these, on these podcasts, but she was down to just over a hundred pounds, which is way too, way too light. Um, she was bedridden at this point. She could get herself to the bathroom and back, but that was it. Like she wasn't coming downstairs. I was bringing her food. Um, and she was a stay at home mom. So like for our son, she was everything to him constantly, always there with him. And now she's not. And I, um, I worked for a British company. So I used the time zones to my advantage to be able to work from home for a month, told my boss what was going on. And like, you know, luckily I could do that, but it's like, daddy's around all the time. Mommy's in bed all the time. Um, and it, it's just like, and now I'm getting this call. That's like, she's barely hundred pounds. She was losing two pounds a day, every single day at that point. Um, and so I just said to, to the doctor when he called him, like, do the math. She's not going to be here in six weeks. Like she can't survive this pattern much longer. And I'm thinking he's going to be like, okay, well, before I go, like, we're going to do this. And I put in a call to these people who are going to, and he just goes, okay, we'll take her to the ER if you need to. And he hung up. And I like, <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. And so yeah. I took the call privately. Like I walked back into my bedroom and like my son's standing at the foot of the bed, looking at his mother, basically dying in front of his eyes. And, you know, his whole world is upside down. And he turned and looked at me. And that's, that was the moment when I realized I had to change me and the way I'm operating. And at that point, it was about being there for him. Like if I had all these issues from my parents' divorce, what does it mean for him watching his mother die? Like that is profoundly impactful. Um, and like, you know, he's everything to me. Like, I can't imagine what that means for him for his life. And so if he's just going to have me, I can't be this way for him because he needs like, he needs so much better than what, what I was being. And I wasn't like a bad father. I wasn't abusive or, but like, I was not caring. Okay. Like, let me take the time to be there for you because you're really young and don't under like all the things I needed with a much less severe situation. I couldn't give him that. And for my wife's sake, I couldn't give her what she needed. Cause when she was understandably like freaking out about everything going on with her, I would freak out too. Like you just need to do this. And like, I was, I went into fix it mode. Like my anxiety was triggering instead of just sitting there and listening and being there for her because I couldn't take it. It was like, don't talk that way. You have to do this instead. And that's not what someone needs when they're like, I think I'm dying. Like, what do I do? Yeah. Um, so I was failing the two of them pretty miserably. I wasn't yet ready to recognize that I was failing myself. Mm -hmm. And that's the journey I've been on since then. But like in that moment, being there for the two of them, that was enough to snap that cycle. And that was like the next morning when I woke up, I still, I felt totally different. Like when my son's eyes met mine, the next morning I still felt it. I'm like, I got it. This is a lifeline. Like if I don't grab this, we're all done. Um, so I grabbed it and I changed my life really dramatically and I still have plenty of change to go. And that's awesome. I'm happy for that. Like, it's great. I get to keep working on this. My wife is still alive. I didn't save her life, but I stood by her differently so that she could save her life. And well, my son's really happy right now because he's playing a video game, but like generally, <laughs> um, he still has both of his parents and, yeah. um, his sense of himself is really different from what it would be if, you know, that journey we were on continued the way it was going. And I'm thankful for all of that. 
You know, I'm curious kind of hearing your story and then also thinking about thinking about my own. Like, I, I feel like you hear a lot of stories about people that have had like, like you're talking about, like the realization was gradual over time that something needed to change with either the way we're operating or our mindset or whatever it is. Um, but usually you hear about this big kind of uh, this, this one event, like that triggering event that's yeah. like, okay, things have got to change. And I know for, for me, um, it was a dream that I had about a year and a half ago. It was right before the pandemic hit, which didn't help, <laughs> or maybe yeah. it helped a lot. I don't know. But I had this dream that I was talking to myself. Like there was two of me and I was talking to myself and I was saying, um, you are 27 years old and you have not lived. You are living in a state of reactivity and you don't remember even the last 15 years of your life because of how much of a hamster wheel you're putting yourself on. And that for me was like, I mean, I still remember that dream really clearly and I don't remember dreams that much. And that was kind of my moment followed by the pandemic, which I think just helped (laughs) solidify all of that. But I'm curious, you know, in your, in your um, practice as a life coach, do you find that it's more common for people to have kind of an acute incident like you had or like I had, or that it's more common for people to, for it to build up gradually? Yeah. How does that usually work? I think it's, um, it's an accelerant. And for some people without something like that, this, yeah. the pace of realization may have been too slow for them to get there before their time on earth is up. Um, and for other people, they will get there, but it's going to take longer. I think what I try to do is when someone hasn't come to me on the back end of one of those moments, so they've already had the wake up, um, for people who are like, something's, you know, it's like, I'm just kind of going through the motions. I don't really know what to do about it. They haven't had that, that epiphany moment. Um, I would love to help them discover it for themselves without having to have that moment. Cause for a lot of people they're, um, you know, yes, like silver linings and people like, I'm so thankful that, you know, I was just seeing uh, this guy I had on my show really early on lost his, his leg to cancer. He's a tap dancer. He was on his way to Broadway and his career got sidelined. He's on Broadway now. Um, he's in the wizard of Oz and he's doing like, he tap dances with a peg leg, um, so like good for him for pursuing his dreams, but he's so thankful for it. But wouldn't it be amazing if we could achieve and break through without having to have a gun to our head or, you know, proverbially or like have to lose part of our body to cancer or, you know, another guy was laying on the side of a road in, I think it was in Iraq um, after an IED went off and blew up like, you know, his his uh his battalion was like decimated like there's a terrible and he's his moment was thinking about like he's writing a letter to his wife in his head as he's dying and obviously he lived but like that like wouldn't it be great if we didn't have to have that moment if we have it let's make the most of it and we can and i think the pandemic was that for so many people is like yes it was terrible yes millions of people worldwide are gone and so many people suffered and people have financial issues and anxiety. Like there's so many reasons why it's a terrible thing. And what a shame if we don't make use of that moment and that situation to figure something out. And that's why I looked at uh, the stat from the Small Business Administration, like the last two quarters of 2020 
more new businesses were created than they've ever seen. And like 20, 2020 Q3 was a record and then Q4 beat that. So it's like people, some of it out of necessity because it's like your job's gone or your clients are gone or your customers are gone. So you have to figure something else out if you want to eat. For others, it's like, this is my moment. I don't ever want to go back into an office. I don't ever want to, I realized when I couldn't do it anymore that I was so caught up and I have to do this job and I hate it and every day is a grind and, but I got to put food on the table. When you didn't have a choice of playing that excuse game of why you gotta, uh, you suddenly, and maybe it took you a few weeks, but you're like, oh, what if I did this instead? Yeah. And, uh, and seeing a path. And so like, there are a lot of people who are doing extremely different things than they used to do or found a totally new modality that they thought was short term. I mean, the fitness space is such a great example. The number of places that like, yes, things are going back in person and there's, you know, that is a, a great way to get fit is working one-on-one -on -one in person with someone. And so is remote. Mm -hmm. And there's so many things you could never do. I, I just heard yesterday, uh, therapists are like, it's very hard to find a therapist right now. Yeah. I said, well, because their market was people who could get to their office before or could make it work like schedule wise. And now it's like, it's 3 p.m. I can see my therapist from Philadelphia. They're in Seattle. Like I can see them virtually and people just think I'm on another Zoom call. So like, because I'm sitting in my basement either way or whatever, like it opens up a different market. It opens up a different possibility and people who would never have now are able to. So I, I think it's these moments, whether it's like a shock or a slow burn, what if we could wake up to what we could do as a result of that? And I know some people have wasted that opportunity in the pandemic and others have recognized while hard, it's something that they can use to help them move through what they were stuck in before. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think with, with so many people, it's like, we wait for, we wait for some sort of external circumstance to change before yeah. we will make a change. Right. And you hear that all the time. And I'm sure that you do in your work. Um, it's, it's very much like, uh, you know, in, in, in my case, it's like, oh, well, yeah, I will, I will start trying to be healthy once my back feels better. Right. right. Like once my back stops hurting, I'm going to, I'm going to start walking or whatever it is. And it's like, well, what if, you know, that might never happen. So, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, even you, you keeping yourself in this cycle is also happening as a result of you not doing something proactive. And I think yeah. that's very much the case, um, you know, with, with mental health as well, but I'm, I'm really curious too, because you are also a certified personal trainer, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't think we talked about that when I was on your no. podcast. Well, there's not um, too much what? to talk about. I don't, I don't like, yeah. I'm not training anyone. Um, right, right. But I, like What's I was doing a there? bit of that. Yeah. So um, early on in my work, because my background was being obese um, and I had discovered so many different ways, like I, I had the most amazing fitness guide in high school. Um you know, growing up, it was always like fat kid run. Why are you so slow? Why can't you run more? And it's like, oh, you got to do laps. That's your punishment. And that whole joke, yeah. like runners are like, our sport is your sport's punishment. Um, well, you know what? Running's not for everybody. I love running, but it's not for everybody. And that's totally fine. And there's I, like probably more than a million other things you could do, yes. except for the way that you're framing it. Like when I hear people who are like, oh, I only had 45 minutes for cardio and I know that's not good enough. So, or like my ankles hurt, so I can't run. So I know that means I can't work out. I'm like, 
wait, who said you thou shalt run and only run or like your body's like you did 59 minutes on the treadmill, not 60 minutes. So I'm not giving you any weight loss or muscle gain. So like, yes. there's no, there's no switch. That's like, so a lot of my work early on was through my own discovery of lots of other modalities and trying to help others discover that for themselves. So h- helping people on a weight loss journey, because that was the biggest part of my story that resonated. Um, and so in doing that, I had a lot of casual knowledge, but I had a very strong desire to be more programmatic in that and to understand much better. So I got certified on my own of my own accord, probably two years into my coaching work, which was awesome. And it benefited me personally, tremendously, it definitely helped my clients a bit. Um, I started to transition into more kind of like career and existential crisis kind of coaching less so than like, Hey, I have this 20 pounds. I can never get off. Can you help me? Um, and so it was kind of funny, like after I got the certification within a couple of years, like for me, weights, weight and health, like they're always part of the discussion because I don't think any, I'm not, I don't believe we can like vacuum seal a particular problem in our life to just that air. Like I lost my job and that's all we're going to talk about. Like my relationship doesn't matter. And my weight doesn't matter. And my family stuff, like, no, it all matters because you're a human being. So the knowledge is still really helpful today. Um, but I'm not, you know, going to, I'm not going to a gym with someone and, and like doing programming for them of what I can, but I don't happen to. And so that's why, like, I don't tend to talk about it, but yes, I am a certified personal trainer and I'm a, um, behavior change specialist and I was almost a corrective exercise specialist. I just didn't take the test. And um, you did the behavioral change through NASM. Yeah. Yeah. So awesome. both of them are through NASM. It was the first awesome. time they offered it. So I was like a guinea pig, but it was, it's really interesting. I think it's, it's that's, fascinating stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. And I, I love what you just said about nothing involving our, our person exists in a vacuum. Yeah. Right. Um, I was listening to a, a coach speak about this on, on another podcast. And he was talking about the question of you know how people will say uh, diet is 80% and exercise is 20% or, or people will, you know, say something like that when yeah. it comes to fitness and wellness. Um, and his comment was, no, I think diet is a hundred percent and exercise is a hundred percent. And I also, you know, I would add on to that and say, um, mental health is a hundred percent and relationships, you know, like yeah. everything. Cause your life together. is a hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You, you can't, you, you might have times in life where you prioritize something. Cause I think there's a season for everything. And maybe yeah. in this season, I prioritize this thing more heavily, but that yeah. doesn't mean that it's always more important than everything else. And I, I think that that's difficult for people to kind of wrap their minds around, you know, um, wh- what have you found to be kind of people's biggest, biggest struggle when it comes to moving forward or like breaking through a barrier, especially using the do a day approach. Have you found anything that is just like the number one thing? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the single most important thing and the first thing always is self-love. And, um, Mm -hmm. I wonder if people picked up on this one, when you introduced me and then I was like, I answered the first question. Do you know what I did on the back of that? Hmm. I dismissed it. Cause I was like, Oh, I know I rambled for so long and I hope yes. Yeah. So that's what we do. So in small ways or in big ways. And 
I'm going to, I'm going to lie and say I did that intentionally, but as soon as I did it, I caught it. So I was like, I got to bring this up. Um, we, we hold ourselves back through how we view ourselves and it's societally acceptable, even promoted to make little cracks at your own expense, to dismiss yourself, to apologize for something that doesn't need apologizing for. Um, I love, I I call it intropologizing. Like I had this woman who worked for me, the first words out of her mouth, every single time she called me were, I'm sorry. I'm like, it's pronounced hello. She's like, I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, wait, why are you sorry? And it's like, she didn't do anything wrong. She wasn't calling to give me bad news. She didn't say like, that was just how she started. It was like, I'm sorry for bothering you. And even like, we had the time scheduled for you to call me. Why you're not bothering me. Like I'm here for you, but it was every interaction. And it just, this is how we frame ourselves is we're not good enough. We're, um, we're not capable enough. And most importantly, like we're not deserving enough of what we wish we had. And if someone's going to say something good about us, including ourselves, we must follow that up with some diminishment because it's not us. Like we, we're not that good. Um, And so I find literally 100% of the time in small ways, in big ways, or in both, everyone that I ever work with, even just casually interact with, like, yes, I, I do always have my radar on for this. We're putting ourselves down and we're not allowing for it. So, you know, it really doesn't matter how much work you want to do on motivation and goals and taking action and like all the things I talk about and do a day. If in each one of those stages, you're still saying yourself, but I'm not good enough. Like, but this really matters to me. And I feel a sense of purpose, except I don't deserve it. Like, well, then guess what? Like, You don't deserve it. Cause that's how you're going to act every time it comes up or it's like, today's the day I'm going to, cause I had that conversation with myself every single day when I was overweight. It's like, listen, Brian, like I had this self-talk every morning. Like you got to stop with all this eating. Like today's the day just, you know, and by like 10 o'clock I'd given up on it. And then immediately came down on myself for it, which means I then go and eat even more because then I was bummed. And it's like, I sabotaged it myself instead of being like, Oh, that's okay. You slipped. But you know what, after the slip, like you can still make a better choice next time. You don't have to eat an entire pizza. You could do something else. Or like, you don't have to bag the workout. You can still do it even though you had the entire pizza. And it's, it gets out of this, like, I'm not good enough. And I deserve to be punished for what I did either by like, I'm going to beat myself up twice as hard in the gym, like, and achieve what get injured. Cause like, you're not going to undo 20 years of beating yourself up outside of the gym in one gym session. So take it slow, take it straight, take it right and build. Um, or you end up throwing it all away because you give up on yourself. And so like with client after client, we must start there. What is your sense of yourself? And the good news is like everyone suffers from this, including me, because you all heard me do it. Um, so it's something yeah. we need to be conscious of on a regular and like, let's fight the societal norm of putting ourselves down. Um, we just don't need to. It's one of the things I'm happy about with not being in offices as much is the office is a breeding ground for us. Like, oh, how little did you sleep last night? Whose kids are worse? Whose boss is worse? And like, you're all communally like competing for who's worse. So I say like the winner is ultimately the one who died. Cause it was like, oh, I only slept an hour last night. Oh, I didn't even sleep last night. Oh, well, I haven't slept for a week. I'm like, okay, so when do we stop? Like when do we stop competing with who has it worse? It's when like, 
you know, oh, I'm actually dead already. Like that's, how do we stop this game, right? Like who has it the most terrible? Um, what if we just are okay? Right, right. And I, you know, I think something really powerful that you just said that I think I'd like to ask you about, but the, the pattern of not feeling good enough, whether or not you recognize that or not, not feeling like you deserve something into the self-sabotage pattern, which can manifest in so many different ways. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not just with fitness and wellness, but I know with me, that was a, a big thing in business with money for a while. I didn't I came from such scarcity and, you know, my mother passed away before I was able to kind of like break her out of poverty. And I felt like I didn't deserve to be successful because of that. And so I would find that even though I always worked really hard, I never got to that next level. And I was always just like, I wonder why I can't do that. And then, you know, some of the self-sabotage patterns started to show themselves and they were very subtle, but they were still there. And, and I think with we do that in a lot of different ways, including with our fitness and wellness. And you talk about this a little bit in do a day, kind of like ways to just get past that. But how do you feel like you've been most successful with training people to even recognize that they're sabotaging themselves? Yeah. Um, so there's, there's a few little hints that start to bring awareness to it. And I like the notion of do a day isn't like one day at a time, which is like, just kind of bear through it, put up with it. Cause it'll be over soon. It's like, well, how do we build? And I, I very much believe like each success leads to the next one. Cause you've raised the platform that you're on by having that success. So if we think about it like that, like the, the exercise I always start people with is I call it stop the butt. And it's like, when someone pays you a compliment, what do we do? Like, we're like, Oh, thanks. But you know, I like, you know, I, oh, the, the example I always used was going to someone's house for dinner and you compliment them on the food and they always like, Oh, thanks. But I overcooked the, this, or I under seasoned, like they're looking for some way to put down that compliment or like, Oh, you look so nice today. Oh, thanks. But it's just the makeup or the lighting or cause I just got my hair done. But normally I look terrible. Like, why can't you just say thanks? Yeah. So when you, when someone pays you a compliment, including yourself, like you feel good about it. It's like, Oh, you, ace that test, but the next one's going to be really hard or like, it's only cause you crammed it and you, so as soon as that word, but forms in your yeah. mind, stop. So that's, that's like the starting point for me. And the thing with, uh, with stop the butt or any of these things is it starts to make you more aware of it. When you're more aware of it, you will start to make that change. So that's an easy one for me. And cause it sounds funny, but, uh, it's, it's, it's just a nice way to start going with it. And it does get people to reflect. And they're like, I totally noticed it. And frankly, if you're on the receiving end of those dismissals, that doesn't feel good either. So I'm like, you know, for your friend's sake, someone's paid you a compliment and you've invalidated it with yeah. your butt. And yeah. so you're not only putting yourself down, but you're telling them their sense of you or their sense of what they enjoyed is wrong. Mm. It, you don't value it. Um, so at some point, like a, that doesn't help how they feel about you and B, they may just stop supporting you because they're like, well, he or she never takes my compliments anyway. So I'm just going to hold my tongue. What's the point? And then your, you know, your cheerleading squad is gone and you need that. You need people to lean on. So stop the butt helps you. It helps your community. And it 
hopefully starts to push us forward. And the other thing I tell people is like, when you get in these, who has it worse competitions, like who slept less or bosses worse or whatever. Um, if someone tells you that something's hard, they're going through something, didn't sleep enough, like feel sick, whatever. When your response is, oh, but I have it this much worse. Again, you're invalidating their experience. And the thing I learned the most with my wife's illness is like, people just want to be heard, even if they don't realize that. So it doesn't matter if you slept less, like, can you just be there for them? And if you slept great, you don't have to rub it in their face. Maybe that's what you're afraid of, but you can just say, wow, that must be hard. Mm. Okay. Like, why does, why does it have to be harder for you? Remember I said at the beginning, like our stories, our experiences, our challenges are not in competition with each other. They're only relative to us. So it doesn't matter if you slept more or less last night or had more work or less work or your kids did whatever worse than their kid. Like the competition's totally irrelevant. Just, wow, that must be hard. And just leave it at that. So like, let's stop breeding this negativity and self-diminishing kind of language. That is really important. I just wrote both of those down. That's cool. like, I think that's, I mean, I have a lot to take away from this episode, but I think those are going to be the two things because I, I feel like over the last couple of years, I've gotten better at taking compliments and I try to compliment other people kind of to show, you know, just to, I don't know, to pay it forward a little bit as well. Um, but you're right that the who has it worse thing, especially as you're saying, like in, in workplaces and things like that, it can get into, it can become such a cultural norm for us yes. that yes. Um, we wind up just, it's these, these little kind of, um, kind of, yeah, micro dismissals that we do to each other over time. Yeah. Um, and I would also say a lot of the time when this happens, like I hadn't thought about it this way before, but you feel you feel kind of something about it and i don't know how to how to describe it but when someone does that to you when someone kind of tries to one up you or when someone dismisses a compliment that you give them you just don't feel very good yeah. even if it's for like a split second it's like man you know but <laughs> yeah and so i i would also encourage people to notice how they feel after each interaction as well. And think about kind of why, like, did that, per- what did that person say or what did that person do? Or what did you say or do yeah. to make you feel that way? Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's huge. Um, I guess my, my other question for you as well is when it comes to do a day, I think something that I, that I really liked about it was the kind of building upon the foundation and not just like, you know, it's not the one day at a time approach, which is grind it out. It's also not, oh, well, I screwed up today. So the rest of today is a wash. Yeah. It's not a hall pass for, (laughs) yes. Um, But it, it talks so much about kind of being able to kind of find motivation or even quote unquote manufacture motivation as I like to call it. Um, And that is such a big thing for people. And I think motivation is one of those things that, there's very few people in the world that naturally have a lot of motivation, especially when it comes to wellness and fitness. Yeah. And that's a common misconception. People think that, you know, maybe you, because you aren't, you are very fit and you, you exercise a lot and you've, you've overcome all these hurdles with your fitness. Someone might look at you and say, oh, well, he must just want to do it all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, first, I guess is, is that, is that true? Do you feel naturally motivated? And then second, 
what have you found to help with you and with the people that you work with when it comes to manufacturing that motivation? Well, so I do, I call on my, my personal experience a lot in trying to understand this. And this is why, I mean, I know you, you see this in your work too. Like your experience is not someone else's. So when people like, well, tell me what my motivation is. I'm like, I, that, I can't, no matter how hard I try, unless I just happen to stumble upon it. But if you're not ready to hear it, it won't matter. So yeah. for me, it's, it's about the process for it. And um, I did have to go through that discovery and, and creating the do a day idea was trying to distill the questions that absent like that gun in your face kind of feeling, how could you figure this out? And it is, it's all value questions. And that's what, that's why I work out every day. And that's why I like work out all the time. Yeah. I kind of do want to a lot of the time, not all the time, but I do find myself like, I wish I could go for a bike ride right now. It's like torrential downpour outside. So I'm not going to do that. Cause I, I don't want to skin my legs on the pavement when I fall. So like there's some balance there, but the reason is never, um, what it, you know, what I said, like first 18 years was overweight. And then like the next half of my life was, I was trying not to be fat. That's how I defined it. And I thought that was funny, which is totally a put down, right? Like I was a fat guy and now I'm trying not to be. (laughs) No, it's not funny. And that is a hell of a way to live. Like who wants to define their life that way? So exercise has zero to do with my weight whatsoever. Has nothing to do with my physique. It's something I genuinely enjoy and it affords me so many things that I appreciate. So like when you talked about the back pain, like I'm waiting for my back pain to go away. I've had back surgery. I've like, I've had back pain too. And when I don't work out, that's when I have my back pain. So for me, I can't wait for the back pain to end. I need to exercise in a way that supports the recovery. So exercise makes me feel better physically. Exercise gives me personal space to think. It does all sorts of things for me that I'm so thankful for. And so it is a values-based drive for me. It's not about a punishment or a debt or a, I have to, it's something I choose to do very willingly because I love all the things I get from it, which is the same thing on the diet side. Like I'm vegan and I've gone through the conversation with people like, Oh, that must be so hard. And how do you this? And how can you not eat that? I don't even think about it. Like yeah. I, I'm a totally unconscious vegan because it just is for me. Like I naturally choose to do this because I love what it does for me. And it's really easy. Like I don't put any thought into what I eat. I just eat well as a matter of course. Um, And it's like, it's, it's effortless because the reasons are clear and it's all from my core at my values place. So I don't, I don't need to make a conscious choice to do any of it. It's just like, it's my DNA of how I operate as a human being. When you can tap into it at that level, then you're not fighting with yourself. Like, I really don't want to go to the gym today. But like, you know what? If you really don't want to go to the gym today, then don't go to the gym today and make other choices that are good for you and understand why you chose not to do it today. And you might come around and go later. I've certainly had that. And like, I just, I can't get out of bed right now. I get a splitting headache, like whatever it is. I may still work out later when I make that conscious choice for reasons that make sense to me in that time that align with my values. And if I take a day off, which is very rare for me, um, there's a very good reason why I've done that. Like after I got the second COVID shot, I purposely, I was like, I'm just going to rest, which is not something I generally do. I'm choosing to do that because I want to respect what my body's 
I don't know how it's going to go. I don't know if it's dealing with something or not, but I'm going to give it that space. And one day is not going to make me unfit. It's not going to set me back. Like that took a long time to get comfortable with, but yeah, I'm, I make my decisions from a place of values. So I don't even need to think about motivation because motivation is just my operating. Like that's my, my code. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And everything, everything feels very highly motivated when you first start doing it. Yeah. And that's why motivation is so fleeting. And so many people abandon their wellness after a couple weeks or a couple months of having these good habits. Yeah. And what I'm hearing you say is, you know, what your ultimate why is. Yeah. And so once you know that it's pretty easy to discern is this decision going to move me toward that? Or is it going to move me further away from that? Yeah. And um, there might be times, you know, for me, when I was training for my, for my bikini competition in 2020, I made decisions to move me toward that goal that might've moved me further away from like an overall health goal, because that yeah. was what my why was at the time. And transitioning back into you know, okay, now I'm focusing more on my health. I want to decrease inflammation. I want to decrease overall stress in my body. My yeah. habits might yeah. change, but I still know that my why is there. And so it's pretty easy to make decisions based on that. And so I think that that's, that's a really powerful thing. And hey all, so my audio got a little weird here and so did Brian's. So I just wanted to let you know, this is where I ask Brian where we can find him online. He will talk about his website and we will also link up all of this in the show notes for you. The easiest yes. place is, you just have to spell my name. It's brianfalchuk.com. It's B-R-Y-A-N-F like Frank, A-L-C-H-U-K.com. And everything's linked up there. Awesome. Awesome. And then you are on uh, social media. I know the do a day book is on there and Brian Falchuk is your personal yeah, account as well. Ac yeah. My main account that I, I use daily is, uh, is at Brian Falchuk and Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram though. Lately it's mostly LinkedIn, but it's at Brian okay. Falchuk everywhere. So pretty easy to find. Awesome. Awesome. Consistent. I like yeah. it. All right. I have a couple of quote unquote rapid fire questions for you. You do not yeah. have to answer them super rapidly, but um, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So the first one is, what do you feel is currently the biggest lie or common misconception around wellness or fitness? Yeah. Um, I think it's the word reductionism, um, which is like on the food side and the exercise side, everyone's like, this one thing, you know, is like, just eat kale and you'll live forever, that kind of mentality. Mm. And I'm, I'm really tired of seeing like the Facebook ads, the video ads when people are like, I thought you had just had to run and that's totally wrong. You'll never get in shape. You just do this. And like, there's no just anything. Like I always tell people when you hear the word just watch out for what's next. Yeah. Cause it's just not true or it's oversimplifying <laughs> everything. And it, so like it, it, I think it actually got heightened in the pandemic because there's so much at home workout stuff being sold. Yeah. Um, and people who, who were suddenly trying to push some kind of like, you know, buy my program, but they were really reductionist, you know, mm. just 15 minutes a day, you know, eight minute abs, whatever it is, like as little as possible of this single thing and all your problems are solved. That's not the way the world works. That's not the way our biology works and it's boring. And you're not going to build the kind of platform you need for wellness for your life. Like 
experiment, try lots of different things, dance, like anything. Movement is beautiful. So I don't like this reductionist mentality. And I know, again, as a society, that's how we like to think. Um, so for me, it's like when you hear about the one thing for this little, watch out because <laughs> that's, that's a lie and it's not necessary. That's a great point. Yeah, that's a great point. I love that major mic drop moment right there. It's yeah. never just one thing, guys, as much as we want it to be. <laughs> it's, it's the whole picture. <laughs> um, awesome. Okay. What was the best advice you ever received regarding fitness or wellness? Um, so this guy that I mentioned earlier, like this fitness guide that I had, he ran the PE program in my high school. That's, that's who I credit with giving me the tools that I've used throughout my wellness journey. Um, but I lost the weight through his guidance and the things that he gave me. And it was this idea of experimenting, um, you know, trying weights and different kinds of cardio. Um, but it was overlaid with something that at the time I didn't fully appreciate, but God, do I call on that stuff now? Mm. And it's, he's always positive without being fake. Like it's very, very genuine. But a, a really minor thing, Mariah, is he doesn't say things are bad. I, I've heard him say bad once. He's, he'll say that's not good. And he's he's a Swiss with a French accent. So like it sounds, he's like, oh, is this not good at all? But like that's that's as bad as things get. And it's such a minor thing. Like he doesn't use, yeah, he used the word not, but he followed up with a positive word. Sure. So it's like, it's such a minor thing, but God, does that matter? So I love that. Like, yes, he gave me the tools. He showed me that mindset is a really critical piece of it if you're conscious to it. And that's where like stop the butt and all that kind of stuff really emanates from is recognizing a little shift in how we're framing our conversation about ourselves or a situation actually can pay off tremendously. So that's, it's not a single thing that he said or did, but it's just getting to watch that firsthand. And, and as I grew, and thankfully we are still very much in touch, we just had a catch up the other day. Um, I'm so thankful to have exposure to him in my life because it helps me in uh, realizing how I can better serve myself and, and others by extension, obviously. I love that. I love that. Because when you change your language, your mindset does change over time and vice yeah. versa. So I love that. Awesome. All right. Three out of four. What's something you used to preach that protein. you no longer advocate for? Yeah. Protein, 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 protein. Ah, um, okay. I, I actually did a, a, I used to have a video podcast way back in the day in my mm -hmm. personal trainer days. And I had an episode on protein. It was like, I think I said, I get up to 130 grams of protein a day. Yeah. And it was just crazy. Um, so I don't get anywhere near that now. And that includes like when I did a marathon and did a bunch of century rides and like somehow I'm still alive. Um, so I get plenty of protein, but not even a third of what I used to preach about. And I was like, no, it's critical. And if I was working with someone who was getting like 50 or 60 grams, like we got to double that. Yeah. Um, so I've definitely through my own experience and exposure to lots of different things, I've recognized like it doesn't need to be that way. Um, so it was very like super protein, cut out all sugar, all carbs, and including things that like, I love grapefruit and I f wouldn't eat grapefruit for years because they have so much sugar in them. It's like grapefruit's amazing. Yeah. And it's got all that fiber and like, so yeah, yeah this like protein overall, and I, protein's fantastic. I'm, I still love protein, um, but I'm much more balanced about things. And yeah, I, I'm in better shape than I was then. 
I've achieved all these things that, you know, I would have said back then, like, well, you can't do that unless you're hyper protein loading. Mm. Um, so yeah, protein is, it's important, but it, it doesn't need to be that overweighted. Super interesting. Yeah. And for, for anyone listening, you know, I know I just kind of had a, a moment of, of realization about that as well. Like if you, if you are not replacing a good portion of your knowledge every few years in this field, you're probably not growing fast enough. So mm. try to think about some of those things that you might hold, you know, like w- even if it's not nutritional, whatever it is and think, is that still really relevant? And does that matter for everyone? Cause I think right. we, we think that that one thing matters for everybody and it might not. So that's beautiful. Um, last question. What is your favorite quote? Um, so I can't say this in its native language, but, uh, there's a, there's a supposedly quote from Buddha, um, that to me sums up do a day and it's, uh, it's a really beautiful way to bring it all together, but it's every day we are born again. What we do today is what matters most, mm. um, which is like, you know, you said like, it's not, you don't punish yourself in the gym and you don't get a hall pass because you did an extra 10 minutes. So like you can eat that cake or whatever, like maybe you can, but it has nothing to do with whether you did the 10 minutes or not. Every moment is, it's not really about today is when you woke up, do a day is not about an entire day. It's about the acknowledgement of this individual moment that you've been given to make a choice for your values, for your betterment, for what you wish to achieve. So make that choice because that's what matters most. Um, I think that's so beautiful. And it was that recognition that freed me from all the pressure that I was always feeling like Mm. about everything I still have to do. It's like, well, you're not doing any of those things right now. And all the mistakes that I've made in the past or the things that I've lost, well, I'm not making those mistakes right now. I'm not losing those things right now. And even if I was, does that still mean I can't choose better in this very moment? Mm. Of course I can. So it's, it's this freeing, empowering opportunity kind of growth mindset phrase that I, I think is beautiful. Um, so yeah, every day we are born again, what we do today is what matters most. That is amazing. And I think a, a really powerful note to end on. So I actually just wrote that down. I would encourage everyone listening to do the same. I'm, I'm going to keep all these on like post-it notes on my mirror Correct. or something. I feel like those are so important. Um, but I love that quote so much. And Brian, this was awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and hanging out with me. And uh, any closing words, anything you, anything else you want us to know? Just thanks. Not thanks, but just thanks. It was it was awesome. It's really good to talk again. Thank you. Thank you. It was great to talk to you as well. And guys, if, if you found value from this episode, definitely leave a review. I would greatly appreciate it. And uh, make sure you follow Brian on all of his social media pages and, and visit his website as well. Um, I'm Mariah with Pain-Free Fitness. And thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening today. I'd really appreciate it if you could like, subscribe, and leave a review on the podcast so that more people can hear us in the future. Have a pain-free day.